Hello and welcome to episode 112 of the NFL Scotland podcast. We're into the fourth quarter of our divisional previews as we've only got the West left. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. We'll be asking these questions. Can the Chiefs go unbeaten with Mahomes? Do they win in the Las Vegas and Louisiana Superdomes? Are the Broncos going to be a rising stock with a second year under the leadership of Mr. Locke? Do the Raiders find a way to make others look like mugs with the added threat of a certain Henry Ruggs? And who will be more in demand for the Chargers retailer? Will it be shirts with Herbert or for Tyrod Taylor? To do all that, we're delighted to be joined on the podcast once again by Scotland International, Edinburgh rugby star and Denver Broncos fan, Henry Pergos. Good evening, gents. Yes, and it's time for the AFC West. The, you know, we, we've moved down into the fourth quarter, as I said at the top there. Uh, this is the final two preview shows that we need to do before we can actually get into the football. Good God, can it not come quick enough? But... We've got eight more teams to get through before that. And then the AFC West, do you know what we're going to do with this as well? Is We're going to park the Chiefs at the moment because I think, unless anyone wants to challenge me early, this division is about best of the rest. This is the Scottish Premiership of the uh, NFL divisions because it's very one-sided. It really is about who's going to be best of the rest. And that leaves us with three teams. So... I hear no challenge from the floor, and we're going to... Well, I'll I'll challenge you. I think it's worth noting that I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be distracted throughout the season because the poor boy is now the part owner of the Kansas City Royals. He has got so much money from his new contract that he has bought into the baseball team next door. Now, I wonder if he fancies his chances of going to play for them. That might distract him. That could be the only hope that some teams have, Cameron. Yes, it might be the only hope. Um, Clutching at straws, I think is what that's called. So let's start, first of all, with Henry and your Denver Broncos. So uh, we'll park the Chiefs and we will discuss the Chiefs later on. We'll talk about what they've got ahead of them. But when we come around to the Broncos, it's obviously uh, a period of transition. Um, For you, what do the Broncos need to do to secure that position as being best of the rest? Score some points, I think. <laughs> no, it's, been a, it's been a it's been a tough few years as a Broncos fan. They've obviously, um, I think, winning, winning the Super Bowl a few years back. They built everything was built around defense, and obviously uh, the offensive side. A lot of things changed, and um, recently we've really struggled um, to score points. And as a fan, I think offense sells tickets and stuff for me. And it's been it's been a rough uh, rough watch the last couple of seasons. So, but obviously um, we drew a lot coming in at the end of the year, and, and with the draft picking up um, some exciting weapons, hopefully. Hopefully there's some more points. And again, I think the defense does look good. I think they um, they performed well last season. So if we, they can they can they can be similar to the defense, and then hopefully we can score some more points and uh, and push on and, and really challenge some of the better teams in the league. So Drew Locke, you know, we he he played five games in total last season, which is probably too early to judge. But the signs were pretty positive. You know, a couple of very good wins, a win in Houston against a very good Texans team. Uh, the only defeat coming against uh, the Chiefs in Kansas City will not hold that against them. Um, there's, there's definitely feels like there's a, a couple of signs of activity on the growth side of the defense. There's been that running back committee. You've gone and picked up Melvin Gordon and added him into that as well. So take one of the better players off your rivals, put them on your team, stick them in a committee, focus on the running game, which is probably a good thing for Drew Locke because coming into his second year, it means that if he can't get things going through the air, there's a, an absolute wealth of talent in the running back position. 
Yeah, definitely. I think I think we're stacked um, in that sense. But obviously, there's a lot of a lot of young guys. Melvin Gordon's obviously been in the league a while. Philip Lindsay's gone well, um, but some of the other guys are young. They've obviously got a lot of ability, a lot of talent. So hopefully, they can bring that to the fore and, and really show what they can do. Definitely. So we were talking on air as well before uh, we came on about the altitude and the fact that you've played at altitude from a rugby point of view. For for you know, we hear a lot about that when it comes to Denver. But for you. How much does altitude come into play when you're you're competing at such a high level? Yeah, I, yeah, we were we were chatting about that a little bit. Um, I've only I've only really experienced it in South Africa. We played a couple of times um, in Bloemfontein, and it was a new experience. I just yeah, I found it really hard. I think um, definitely after high intensity sort of bursts and um, sprints in my position as a scrum half, it's, it's sort of a little bit of that. It's a lot of, lot of lot more of endurance stuff. But I, I presume in the NFL, obviously the you know wider does it's all stop start and it's hundred miles an hour. So um, I'm guessing that's pretty hard. And you see that you see a lot of the guys uh, opposing teams coming over the auction masks. Um, and, and I think I saw an article actually Melvin Gordon saying he was finding it harder training to, um, you know, the preseason reps and things like that. So I think it's always been a, it's been a factor there. Hopefully they can use it to their advantage as much as possible. How much and how disruptive from your point of view has not training been? You know, how, how much do you think this is going to be a factor coming into this season for the NFL guys, especially the rookies that are coming in and joining up with the teams for the first time? Yeah, I, the, every, every, everyone, all the experts across the league are saying it's just for the new coaches, for the rookies, it's going to be it's going to be have a huge impact. I'm sure it will. I can't imagine rugby is a sport where, you know, there's quite a lot of um, nuances and, and obviously there's quite a lot of game planning, but the NFL will take that, you know, way further they've obviously i've seen a little bit of the hard knock stuff um that's been out and obviously they've not really you know the first couple of the uh, first episode hardly doing any football stuff really so um and the season's just right around the corner so it'll be interesting i'm guessing um offensively it might be a little bit clunky at the start maybe teams with um obviously they haven't got too many changes and it could be a huge advantage for them they can hopefully get out of the gate pretty fast paul We've talked about the Broncos uh, a few times on the pod, but perhaps, you know, this this division suffered a little bit from the focus just purely because of the dominance of the Chiefs. But it does feel like there's some positive signs coming out of Denver. I think there are positive signs coming out of Denver, as you say. I mean, you know, they're putting their money again on a quarterback that they hope will come through. And it's that old chestnut that John Elway's unable to find a quarterback, which is ironic given how good he was. But, you know, there's more to it. You need, you need the line. If you don't have the line to start with, you've got problems. Uh, you know, Tebow was never going to be the answer. Uh, you know, Kyle Orton wasn't the answer. They were lucky when they did to get Peyton Manning. And I think, you know, Henry alluded to that. You know, the, the Super Bowl winning team was built on solid defense and a quarterback who could just get things done when he had to. You know, they, they've... Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, you know, they had Case Keenum in there. They then, you know, they then go to the experience of Keenum and Flacco and it doesn't work. So to me, I think they've got to hand the keys over to Drew Locke and just get on with it and see what the talent is around. The defence still looks reasonably okay. Uh, You would hope they would do well as far as that's concerned. The coaching, I think the coaching staff are a year older and a year wiser. Uh, But when you're in division with Kansas, I think you've got to look at the other two teams. And I think Denver are well-placed to take on both the Raiders, uh, who are in a a season where they're in a new stadium, and also the Chargers, who are also getting used to a new stadium as well. The one thing that you would maybe look at from the Denver side, and it's both a positive and I guess a a positive for the long term, but perhaps a negative in the short, would 
be the lack of experience on offense. And I guess if you look through the the depth chart at the moment, now, you know, you've got Cortland Sutton there, who's shown he's a very capable wide receiver. Jerry Judy, who's very exciting coming out of college. And then KG Hamler as well. Now, Deshaun Hamilton's a player that's got a lot about him, but it feels very young. Even on the the run game, you know, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, okay, fine, we're a couple of seasons in, but still fairly young in the grand scheme of things. Melvin Gordon comes in and adds some more experience for sure. But even Noah Fant as your number one tight end, Drew Locke as your leading quarterback, there's, you know, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry's your centre, rookie centre, uh, probably going to start there as well. There is not a lot of experience. When that happens... And again, I'll come to Henry for this one. You know, when you've got so many players on there that are young and you need leaders on the park, is there a risk that you've not got someone who can ensure that the game the game is taken by the scruff of the neck in the moments that it needs to be done? Yeah, maybe. I mean, experience is is key. I think you see a lot of um, a lot of the big teams, obviously, experienced quarterbacks taking their teams deep in the playoffs. But again, I, I think with that inexperience, obviously a lot of teams won't have a lot of film on these guys in the NFL. Hopefully you know, the coordinators can really make the most of their abilities and put them in, in good positions. I think it definitely comes down to when you've got a lot of young players, it's up to, you know, you need really good coaching and, and really putting those guys in, in good positions. You hear a lot about the Patriots and how they're obviously just focusing on, you know, they, they're really focused on their players' strengths and, and maximize those as much as possible and obviously limit the, the weaknesses they have in their game. So hopefully we can do that. Interesting, Cameron. One of the things that I think, you know, we, we look for differences between the sports. If you rolled out anybody in the Scottish Premiership called Lloyd Cushenbury III, the crowd would absolutely <laughs> take them apart. Uh, th- these kind of things tend not to happen so much in the NFL. But I, I mean, you know, he's out of LSU. We've seen him play, you know, really good player. I mean, Jenny Judy, I've I still think it's a wonderful pickup, and, and Henry. I wonder sometimes, you know, there there is that sort of gallusness of youth. You know, Jerry Judy wants to go and play. K, you know, KJ Hamler was also, a, you know, a second round pick. That gives you two wonderful weapons. But are you concerned that they they won't really have the time to to work into things? Yeah, that's that's it, isn't it? Whether they whether they can get the reps and that and the connection. Obviously, you see a lot of the the offseason stuff, the quarterbacks and the receivers. They're going away and spending a lot of time. Away, even away from the training and the training complexes, and getting getting to know each other and getting those reps in. So hopefully that's that's not going to limit their development. I'm sure it will be a challenge, but um, yeah, I've seen a couple of Jerry Judy stuff on Instagram. Is this his footwork stuff looks brilliant? Um, it definitely got a lot of ability. So um, it'll be exciting. Obviously, as you guys said, Colin Sutton, he was um, he he, took, he made some huge catches last season. So hopefully we can we can build on that. Noah Fant sort of came into a little bit at the end of the end of the season so hopefully he can kick on as well and I'm guessing that a lot of it comes down to Drew Locke um second year you know second years with quarterbacks in the NFL are always challenging they go they can go one or two ways I mean hopefully not the way Baker Melford went last season really. the one thing I'd add about Lloyd Cushenbury and why he wouldn't get a hard time in Scotland is he's six foot three and 315 pounds do you know what? I think that pretty much ends any kind of noising up of Lloyd Cushenbury the third that you're going to give them the one thing I was going to ask there though is because this team is young on offense, because there's a lot of growing to do and there's relationships to be built up, it's actually possibly a really good thing to be in the same division as the Chiefs at the moment. Because the Broncos will be written off, that no one's expecting them to win. Uh, I don't think anybody will. Um, that gives them the opportunity to kind of 
perhaps hide away underneath in that best of the rest challenge and just go around your business in a very quiet way, build those relationships and work on, uh, you know, the dynamics in the team and work on what they want to do on offense and actually almost have an eye on next year or the year after even. Yeah, I mean, hopefully that's, there isn't, obviously the Chiefs are a massive favorites in the division, so coming in second place, maybe maybe even with a sniff of the playoff, you know, wild card, something like that would be would be huge. And I think it's exciting that obviously it's a, if there's been a couple of real good draft classes and the Broncos have had, and uh, with young, Drew Lott being young, hopefully they can grow together and, the, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a good future those next um, three or four years and before, you know, second contracts come around. Paul, do you think Drew Locke even gets a little bit of a leeway here? Because we've now got Burroughs, we've got Tua, we've got Herbert, that actually last year's class is almost forgotten about. Um, and actually, Drew Locke can just go in there, no, very little in the way of expectations, really, in the grand scheme of it, and actually just set about making that team his own. Partly yes and partly no. But partly The reason I say yes, you, you would think that that would be the case. However... You know, he's going to be looking at prime time too the first three weeks. You know, ESPN play the Tennessee Titans, obviously had a tremendous season. So immediately you're in the spotlight. You then go to Pittsburgh, which is a normal CBS game. But week three, well, it's Tampa Bay Buccaneers roll into town. So that is going to be, you know, you know, the main game, you know, the NFL Sunday game of the week on Fox. So, you know, the spotlight's going to be there. And I think, you know, he probably would love at some point to have on his resume that he's played Tom Brady. I'm not convinced he wants it in week three when that Brady, you know, juggernaut could really be running. Um, so, I, so I think that's quite interesting. He's then in the spotlight again, you know, with, with the Patriots a couple of weeks later. So nothing's particularly easy. Uh, you know, there's nothing on those first sort of five or six games that you think, yeah, you've got that one in the pocket. Arguably Miami um, in week six at home, you would expect to, to win. But the other ones look pretty tough to start. Yeah, it is a tough, tough set of fixtures. And when you've got the Chiefs, in that division, you've always got those two games that you're almost writing off. I guess the one thing about Denver is that that home field advantage does seem to play into the factor a lot. As you said there, Henry, you know, the players that don't play in that altitude all the time definitely seem to struggle to adapt to it a little bit better. And and it's the teams that maybe in the division that do go there more frequently have some experience of it. It's those teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that are not traveling out to Denver all that often that perhaps that's their opportunity if you want to come up against Brady on a week. That's maybe the the place that you want to have them is have them in Denver. Yeah, and I think the Broncos have got a decent record against Brady, so hopefully, uh, hopefully they can make it challenging for him. I think it's um, I think it's also quite exciting with the Broncos having the Chiefs in their division. I think having that benchmark team for them to go out, you know, they can get close to them over the next you know year, couple of years, you know, put some pretty good stead you know, across the NFL. So just see where it goes. Henry, I'm interested. I'm interested as as a sportsman. If you're going into a game that so so, for example, Denver will go into play Kansas and won't be expected to win. What's the mentality that that comes around a fixture like that? Do you go in with no inhibitions? That you think it's a free hit, or d- does the occasion get to you? You know, what's your take on that as a professional sportsman? Um, oh, I think hopefully you'd like to think outside, sort of outside. I mean, obviously. No one expects Denver to beat the Chiefs, especially in an Arrowhead Stadium. So um, I think that, that ideally that external noise is external. It shouldn't really have any effect on you as a group. I mean, the coaches and players will be you know, expecting the performances from themselves. And I think hopefully they've got their own 
you know their own levels they're trying to hit and the performance standards they want to get to and and you know hopefully they you know they may not win but they're looking for high level of performance and hopefully they can get that and and really kick on so it's um it, it is a challenge you, you don't want to go there just thinking you can sort of it doesn't matter if we lose but you, you know it's um it's definitely an exciting challenge i think and one they'll be relishing yeah because i think some players seem to embrace challenges like that and others i mean and i'm talking about across all sports other others you seem you know they, they shirk away almost but some players almost you know if you're playing somebody that's perceived to be better you think well no no i'm going to prove myself even if it's just with the individual you want to show you know you can play there yeah and i think hopefully that's the environment you create i mean you want to you want to test yourselves against the best and it's um it's obviously it's obviously challenging playing against the best teams and there's maybe a little bit of fear factor if you don't get it right you're going to get a hiding but um you know that's also that's also a huge motivator that you want to go out there and and, uh, and prove you can play with the big boys. I'd suggest, Cameron, that uh, Denver appoint Richard Cockrell as a special assistant for the week three game against Tampa, because I tell you what, whatever Richard Cockrell wants, I would do, I'll tell you. Simple. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um... He, he, actually, I'll, I'll tell you this. He, he once, I, I spoke to him, I once got mistaken for a, a rugby referee walking in and uh, I was, I was, I, w- I was saying this to Richard before. I, it's not good. I was, I was interviewing him uh, at Meyer side, and I was telling him this story, you know, before before uh, we, we went on air. And he said to me, he "said Oh, the one thing I hate more than the press, it's the referees." <laughs> it's <just> like, okay. <laughs> so, so I'm glad, you know, I'm, I'm not quite in that category. <laughs> okay, let's move on and let's look at the the next contenders then, because. Uh, we'll we'll head to LA where we've just had confirmation today that the Chargers will not be playing in front of a crowd, so nothing new there. Ha 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 ha! Everyone makes the same joke. We'll go and get it done and out of the way. But um, the Chargers are obviously a team who have just not really thrived with their new identity and their new home in LA. They moved to their new stadium now, which is going to be a big empty stadium for at least a couple of weeks, and who knows for how long. Um, Another team that feels like the the Broncos in the same way, stacked on defense. And I think that the Chargers remain really strong on defense. But, Paul, the Chargers, what do the Chargers need to do for them to be the second-place team in this division? They need to get themselves back to San Diego and play in a city that actually <laughs> wants them to start with. Now, I've been in both those stadiums. I've been in San Diego not to see a game and a, a and I saw baseball there, and I've also been in, in the Home Depot Stadium or whatever the hell they're calling it today. Now, it's a beautiful little stadium. It's a great little setup, but it's it, it's like a dinky toy compared to, you know, the, the big stadiums. So I think the players have struggled there. I think they struggled when the crowds were there because everybody treated it as, hey, let's go out to LA because we can get tickets. It's going to be sunny, you know, and, and their stadium got taken over. And that that's really, really difficult. Now, I've got a great love of the charge. You know, Dan Fouts was one of my early NFL heroes. You know, the powder blue of the Chargers. There's so much great history. And I know they started their first season in LA, but I'd like to see them just get back down the road to San Diego. I think it's a horrible thing where they are. They have been um, on an edge. I think they wasted some of Philip Rivers' final few years there. I mean, last season, for, you know, I mean, they were 5-11, and 11, but I think they lost six of their last seven 
which isn't particularly helpful. Now, you could argue that that helped them get the, the draft pick that they wanted to get. They went with Justin Herbert at six. He was the MVP of the Rose Bowl in 2020. Now, he's interesting. He's a big, strong quarterback. He, you know, he does have that arm. He does have the ability to make the throw. But if you actually look at his statistics, which are not everything, I, I granted, there's nothing that particularly blows you away. So I think, you know, they've looked at the, the body of work in the games rather than just individual statistics. He does look like he's built and got the body to do something. But year one of a new quarterback, arguably Tyrod Taylor could could play ahead of him because he's not ready. But I think we'll see Justin Herbert at some point. I don't think you now, you know, buy a car and park it in the garage for a year. I think that's gone in the NFL by and large. Um, especially if you're trying to make a mark within Los Angeles. Kenny Murray picked 23. I think he's a decent player as well. So they've got the, the bits. Plus, they've got Anthony Lynn, who I think is a really fine coach. But if you look at how they finished last year, I'd, whether they knew Rivers was going, whether there was a, a mood or a funk around the camp, I'm not sure. But I, I think if I had to say, I would put Denver ahead of LA is, is, is the way I would look at it at the moment. Um, Henry, do you think that the Chargers, when they move on from a player like Philip Rivers, is the biggest challenge that the Chargers going to have to face here is bedding in that new rookie, where you've got Drew Locke, who's already played those five games. You've got Tyrod Taylor in LA, in the Chargers, who is, there's worse quarterbacks. And certainly as a, a backup quarterback, he's one of the better ones, I would have said. But it's maybe going to take a week or two for Herbert to win his job. He's got that challenge to win. He's got that focus. There's going to be eyes on him. Do you think that's a pressure that means that the Broncos have a slight edge over the Chargers? I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like like you guys have said, uh, when you draft that rookie quarterback in the first round, he doesn't tend to sit very long anymore. So um, I'm sure he'll be in there in a, in a few weeks. Although, again, with the with the COVID situation, you know, maybe not being able to get all the reps, it, it may be slightly delayed. It'll be, I just, you know, the charges over the, you know, over the sort of 15 years I've followed the NFL, I can't believe they've underachieved massively with the, with the teams they've had. They seem to be that sort of team, you know, they, they can't seem to get over the hump. I mean, even a couple of years ago when they went into the Patriots and got absolutely destroyed and they were flying. So, I mean, it's, it's a funny one. They've got so many good individual players. They just can't seem to, to get it together. So, um, We'll see. I mean, Justin Herbert. Yeah, he looks like a. He's got a, those those throws he was showing on Hard Knocks, pinging it into the into the actually look look beautiful. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. I've always liked Tyrod Taylor. He comes in and uh, he's got a lot of ability, a good runner as well. And he obviously, you know, well established quarterback in the NFL. Never, you know, maybe had the uh, the time um, to lead a team particularly long. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. On the other side, and I talked to this at the very top, you know, that defense is still dominant. And I guess in this division, that's definitely something that you're going to have to be because part of this is you need to stop the other team scoring as much as you need to score yourself, as you're saying about the Broncos. You can score as many points as you want, but if you keep keep conceding, then you're going to lose as many games as you're going to win. Um, they've got the best paid Bosa for now. I think that that's a matter of time before little brother Nick rocks up and asks for his big bucks. But enjoy Bosa. They have an absolute monstrous uh, defender that leads that team, Melvin Ingram, an absolutely great player. Uh, and then Derwin James as well, who hopefully fit. 
Uh, and then they've picked up Chris Harris as well, coming from the Broncos. So, you know, experience going from the Chargers to Denver in the case of Melvin Gordon, well, Chris Harris has gone the other way. Uh, and I'm sure the two of them will look forward to clashing once again next season. But on the defensive side of things, it feels like they're in a really good place. Uh, and Michael Badgley as well with their uh, field goal taker, the the money badger, which I think is still one of the <laughs> best nicknames in the in the NFL. It's so important to have a, a consistent field goal kicker. Uh, and it's shown that even since these extra point rules have changed how important that is. So it feels like on that side of the ball, it looks decent. It's just the question marks about offense. We, we talked about uh, Philip Rivers, and obviously the Chargers have possibly ruined the best years of his career. Keenan Allen is probably one of those wide receivers that you're thinking, oh, if Keenan Allen was on a better team, what he could do in this league would be absolutely astronomical. The plays he's made over the years. Um, and again, with Mike Williams, a very capable uh, running back, question marks for the Chargers, though, have to remain, I think, at running back. Austin Eckler, uh, obviously a, a small, dynamic running back, but I think we've seen over the last couple of years that you need more than just a small, dynamic running back. You need someone who can get you those four yards on first down where you're just needing to start work uh, start working the ball down down the field. You know, get those positive yards on every single play, grind into teams. And you saw the Niners do that. Uh, copycat league, it feels like Denver's gone that way, but the Chargers maybe still lacking a few pieces on that side of the ball. Yeah, it does seem like you need that that running back by committee. It's the, it's the way to go at the moment. They all have the, the change pace back, the big back. It's, uh, it's a tough ask, I think, for the physicality and the, and the speed of the game at the moment to... To to have that one back carrying the load, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I was actually I was pretty sad to see Chris Harris Jr. move uh, move to the charge. I must say, he was a obviously being a um, an undrafted uh, rookie coming in, and you know he was, he was awesome for for the Broncos. So sad to see him go, and he you know goes into a pretty good uh, secondary back there with the Chargers. And yeah, like you said, they've got um, the edge rushers. They've got a, a dangerous Melvin, Melvin Gordon, sorry Melvin Ingram and um, Bosa. I mean, those guys in that division. Going after Patrick Mahomes, that's what you need. So, uh, yeah, they've, they've got some great individuals. It's just whether they can they can get it together as a team, really. Paul, what do you think is the best? I mean, you obviously said yourself you've got the the Broncos above the Chargers. Do you see it being closer? Do you think that this is there's going to be a gap here? I think that there's not going to be a great deal of difference in these teams. And I think it's going to come down to... You, you know, the basics, the fundamentals, and Henry will know this as a, as a sportsman. You do the fundamentals right, then the chances are you're going to do an awful lot better. You talked about special teams. You talk about, you know, your running backs not cough, coughing up the ball and things like that. So I think as as far as that's concerned, if, if they can get enough support behind whoever plays at quarterback, that's possible. But you then transition and you think, are there any easy wins in the division? Well, unless you're Kansas, no. So I think the inter-division games are going to be absolutely crucial in this one, Cam. Yes. Um, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I genuinely feel like the Chargers are one of these teams that every single season I think, oh, do you know what? The Chargers can make a run here. Uh, I keep thinking, do you know what? And I think that's because of Philip Rivers. If you play fantasy football, um, then Philip Rivers is a, a, a quarterback that you're always going to pick up. You know, certainly, maybe not your number one, but if CV's there late and you've got him as your backup, you're absolutely snaffling him. 
Also, though, Philip Rivers was one of those quarterbacks in fantasy football that would quite easily give you a two-point game, and you'd be absolutely raging because it would be the one bloody week you stuck him in. Um, you know, it's Keenan Allen's one of those guys as well. Always turned up with the points. Melvin Gordon was the same. Melvin Gordon holding out last year definitely damaged them. Definitely, definitely damaged them. It damaged him because the offers weren't there when it came to free agency. And now he's found himself in could be a good situation in Denver, but he's in a committee. He's gone to somewhere where there's two other running backs and he will be playing in a committee. That's not necessarily, I think, where Melvin Gordon's going to thrive, particularly um, from his own personal point of view. So it's a it's a really interesting situation, this one. Um, I think the quarterback story is what's going to define this. It depends on how good Justin Herbert is, how ready to play Justin Herbert is. I think that Tyrod Taylor is absolutely a manageable quarterback. I think that he will win you a couple of games, he will lose you a couple of games, and you'll do all right. I don't think he'll get you near the playoffs. I don't think he'll get you anywhere near the number one pick overall. He's decent without being anything in particular. Justin Herbert needs to come in if the Chargers want to have a successful year next year. He needs to come in early and take control of the team. But they are maybe already looking at, actually, let's focus on the year after because they've now got this extra bonus where if there isn't going to be fans in the stadium, they've moved to their new ground. They're not having to worry about drawing people in. Take the year, build on it, and then be ready by the time the crowds hopefully are back that they can just put on a bit of a show and make people want to turn up and see the Chargers play. They will, they will always be the Espanol to the Barcelona when it comes to Los Angeles. That ain't going to change. But the one thing that is exciting, that if if Henry's Broncos have hit on their correct quarterback, if the Chargers have hit on their quarterback, the next few years watching Locke, Herbert and Mahomes all play in that division. And Derek Carr, you can't write off either. It looks like it's going to be a really solid division for years to come. Yes. Uh, so we'll talk about the elephant in the room. Um, and the elephant in the room in this case is not yet the Chiefs. They're, I don't know what they are. They're the white elephant. What's the saying? No, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's a saying about elephants. Is it, yeah, we, we can edit this out, don't you worry? You go for it if you want to go off on a tangent. Henry's looking at you as if to say, what the hell have I got myself into? But uh, you, you go for it, my friend. Christ, right. Okay, something about elephants and the Chiefs. I don't know, but we'll not talk about them. We'll talk about the other elephants in the room. And the elephants in the room that have moved to the desert, where elephants don't oft tend to be. Um, Sorry, what, what you were, the phrase you were looking for was too many Chiefs and not enough elephants. Yes, that's it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, dearie me. It's been a long couple of weeks, let me tell you. Right. The Las Vegas Raiders is what I'm trying to turn this conversation on to very, very poorly. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, have obviously moved home as well. They go into a brand new market where no team has ever played before. Uh, this is the third home for the Raiders from their Oakland to their LA to their Oakland to their Las Vegas. They go out there in a, in a very, I think, a very different place to be. So I think uh, I'm going to lead myself in with this question. What do the Raiders need to do to be best of the rest in this division? They need to pray every day from now until the end of the season. They need to start doing underhanded Raider-like things, and they need to start just hoping for miracles. I, yeah. I, I am not particularly high on the Las Vegas Raiders, and I think if anyone's going to benefit most from T, uh, from fans not being in stadiums particularly, it's going to be the Raiders, because I think that moving to a new market, 
and moving to Vegas and playing poorly in front of that crowd that's initially going to be super excited to go is wouldn't have been a particularly great outcome for them, I don't think. And it wouldn't have been that new era or the kickoff to the new era that they'd be looking for. Now, let's look at the draft. They obviously went and got Henry Ruggs III. So, great. They needed talent on wide receiver. They have not had a lot of talent. They don't have a lot of talent. Their best receiver is Dallin, Darren Waller, who had a great year last year. They've picked up Jason Witten, who is... I don't know. He's obviously going... He, there's a picture somewhere of Tom Brady and Jason Witten in an attic that's aging ever rapidly, and the two of them continue to play. Um, Josh Jacobs, an exciting young player. Fine. Derek Carr, loads of questions. I don't. I think he gets a bad rap, but he really hasn't done anything particularly to show. And then you look at the defensive side of things. And I'm not really pulling out a lot of great, exciting names on that side of the ball either. Um, I think that there is, uh, yeah, the Raiders are bereft of talent. Uh, I think that there's a couple of names in there. And I'm going to ask either of you to prove me wrong. That's my pitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're very high on Well, I think there's a couple of differences here. So if you look when San Diego moved up to LA, the fans basically refused to go up. I don't think that's going to be the case with the Raiders. You know, Vegas is travelable distance, and I think you're going to see an awful lot when that stadium opens of the old Raider mentality coming with them. And let's be honest, if, if you lived in Oakland and you had a chance for a nice wee weekend in Vegas, hey, I think we'd all give that a certain go. I think there are some positive. I think Josh Jacobs, what, what I feared with Josh Jacobs is that he would come out in week one as he did and play very well and then do not a lot else. But I mean, you know, he averaged 4.7 yards a carry. He was fairly strong throughout. But And also, I think the building blocks were there, Cameron. They started six and four and then collapsed. You know, they lost five of their last six. There was a lot of positive talk, you know, trying to make it the last season in Oakland and make it happy. Uh, it, it just wasn't to be. You, you turn, you look at the roster and you look at reason to say, you know, if I had a choice to three, four, five games, would I watch the Raiders? At the moment, possibly not. Henry, who are the players for you on the Raiders team that are the the players worth noting? That's the thing, isn't it? It's tough to pick out. What I find really funny with Raiders that that relationship between Derek Carr and John Gruden it seems um, just seems pretty uneasy, and it hasn't uh, obviously when he got that ten year deal, he's he's the man and he's the man with the keys to the castle, really. And it's um, he obviously came in, and there was a lot of hype, and you know he's an offensive guy, and it just it hasn't really clicked. And I don't know, it just seems very uneasy that that relationship. So I don't know. Maybe it's a big year for Derek Carr, as you said. He's obviously he's not played poorly in the NFL, but he's never really. You know, he had the way he had a really he had that good year a couple of years ago when they took him to the playoffs, but you know it's it's not been going for him recently. So it's probably a big year to see, you know, what happens if they don't have another good year offensively. It could be a, they could be looking in the draft for someone new. But um, yeah, I mean Henry Henry Rugg to third. I, I saw a catch from on the internet the other day. He took in the, the fade in the end zone. I think it was unbelievable. So he uh, he's got some serious speed. So it'll be interesting. They chat about that, wasn't it? In the in this division, the, the Chiefs obviously got a lot of speed. Broncos went after speed. Raiders have got a lot of speed, so maybe a lot of deep balls this season in, in the AFC West, anyway. And they've got Mariota as well sitting behind Carr, which might not please Carr mm. terribly much, but you have got a quarterback in your building who's been a four-year starter. Uh, well, 
and then, well, arguably five, he then got pulled. Um, so he could do to Derek Carr what Ryan Tannehill did to him. So, you know, there is somebody there that is capable of coming in and that will either, Derek Carr will either blossom under that pressure or he won't. I think Derek Carr needs to go somewhere else. I think Henry's quite right. There's a, there is a strange relationship between player and coach and it's one of the most special relationships in, in all of sports is your quarterback and, and your head coach. And if that's not working, you will not have a successful team on the long run. Simple. No, and that's it's one of the questions I was going to come on to next is do we see Marcus Mariota taking over as the lead quarterback for the Raiders this year? Um, it's definitely a, a possibility. I think that it's... I also think, though, Carr's not had the talent around him to, to really thrive at any point during his tenure so far. You look at the, the team that he's had, it's been a team that's gone through transition all the time. And, and actually, it's funny because I... I've always sort of, I have it in my head that Derek Carr's injured a lot. <laughs> and I, although he is, he plays most of the games. So you go back over his now six-year career, and he's played um, every game bar one in two of those seasons. So it's not absolutely honking. Um, you also have a look at his passer rating, and it has got better every single year, pretty much. Um, it took a slight... Well, actually, he's peaked in 2016. Took a slight back in 2017 when he definitely was injured for a bit. But it improved again. 2019 was his best year from a passer rating point of view. Um, it was his best year from a yards point of view. It was his best year from a percentage point of view. Uh, you know, it, so that says... Yeah, that, that's that's a fair point. But I think the point you make about not having the supporting cast around, if you don't have wide receivers you're comfortable with, you're, you're not going to throw as well. Now, interesting, I mean, again, this is why it's great having Henry on because we can get that professional look. I'm sure Henry, and he can disagree with me, I'm sure Henry plays better as a scrum half when he, he fully trusts his number 10. You know, because you've got that relationship. Now, Henry can disagree with me or tell me I'm right, but and I'm, I'm interested to see which. But do do you play better when you've got more of a trust of what's around you? Yeah, relationships are huge. I mean, especially at 9 and 10, I think, yeah, definitely you must see it with, with quarterback and receiver. You've got, obviously, was it Jason Wood and Tony Romo? Those guys, you just know when, when the play breaks down, they can, they think of the same thing. I think it must have been hard for him getting rid of Amari Cooper um, a couple of years ago. They obviously got on well and they... they um. They had some great connections, so it, it did seem like when Jordan Gruden came in, he sort of tore everything down. They just made, you know, they went for half the playoffs, and it's been a it's been a slow, slow build at the moment. So, like you say, hopefully a couple couple more pieces for them, and they can be, they can they can compete. It'd be interesting to see how they go. But then again, it's the NFL. There's everyone in the NFL is a quality player. There may be a couple of diamonds in the rough that they've picked up. Um, um, and Mike Mayock's doing uh, doing an interesting job. He's obviously got a specific play. He talks a lot about toughness when, he, when he's drafting players and going after players. So maybe the couple of really good players they picked up that, that, that might surprise us. And I think that Mike Mayock surprises me. I think I think that the players that they've gone for in the in the draft are not. I don't know. I, I wonder whether Mike Mayock has almost become a little bit of a victim of his own success when it comes to having the view of the draft. It, it feels like they are so desperate to to go for that guy that people had lower on the board, but he's an absolute steal. We really are high on this guy. I wonder whether he overthinks this sometimes. Um, he's still very early in his role and what have you. You know, last year, uh, picking up Clennon Farrell so early, and he, he really just didn't... 
for me, transpire into anything great. Fine, it was his rookie year, year two, what have you. Even in free agency, though, they went out and got Corey Littleton, who is a good linebacker, I would say, but he's not sensational, and he's got a bucket load of money. So a three-year deal worth $35 million. He's still only 26-year-old, fine. But Carol Nassib coming out of Tampa Bay, uh, again, defensive end, all right, he's on a big old contract. Um, Marcus Mariota is on a fairly decent-sized contract for a backup quarterback, which makes you think, hmm... You know what? Maybe that's not the long-term plan there. Um, but even the, you know, they picked up Prince Mukamara at cornerback, and we're talking about a, a, a league of pace. Prince Mukamara at the age of thirty-one is not going to be that lightning-quick cornerback. I don't think he ever was, and did all right in Chicago. Fine, they're not paying him an awful lot of money. Darius Randall's the other one at safety they've picked up from the Browns. All right. I don't know, they, they, they seem to do quite a bit of activity in free agency, but not necessarily picking up anything massively exciting. And I feel like that, for me, just sums up the Raiders right now. There's loads of bits, they're all all right. There's just nothing that exciting to get overly worked up about. But it doesn't have to be overly exciting. I mean, you, you know... Henry referred to this, you know, they got rid of Amari Cooper, they got rid of Khalil Mack, you know, if you've got a 10-year contract, you know you've got the first few years to to make your mark because you ain't going anywhere or if you do, you're leaving as the richest sports coach in history with a payoff that you're going to get. So I think, you know, they have got a plan. I like Mike Mayock. I think he's always spoken well in the draft. He's been, he was a great, uh, you know, colour commentator as well. Analyst, he obviously sees the game. So you're talking about, you know, people like Nassim, you know, Heath Collins, etc. cetera. Uh, Aguilar has been picked up as another wide receiver. You know, if he can see value in this, not just for this year, but for the next couple of years forward, it might just be Cameron that he's just trying to knock up just a little bit better, just a little bit better, and then you know you you just rise your squad gently up rather than going for the big splashy signing. The one that did surprise me was Jason Witten. I mean, I, I never saw him leaving Dallas. I saw him retiring as a cowboy. It's not to be, but it's one of these things. It's it's probably what they're paying him, given the fact that the NFL's got so much money. It's worth a punt. He could just turn out to be that relationship with Derek Carr. As Henry mentioned, you know, we, we've seen the relationship between quarterback and a key receiver. He just could prove to be a difference at times. And I'm, I'm not saying it will, but it's certainly possible. Yes, indeed, indeed. Right, okay. So to finish it off then, before we get into predicting how we see this panning out, we do need to touch on the Chiefs. Uh, obviously, a very special team. Super Bowl champions. Uh, and again, I've said this multiple as a Niners fan. Can't grudge them any bit of it. They were magnificent all season long. Um, at the start of the fourth quarter, I could see what was coming. Thankfully, I lumped on that. Um, put a couple of quite a bit of money on the Chiefs coming no, back to win. Yeah, and it bought me a yeah, new telly. So that's yeah, let, fine. Let, yeah, let's be honest about this. You backed against your team I did. in the fourth quarter. I did. Nah. I did. Of a Super Bowl, but you now have the Patrick Mahomes Memorial Television to watch next season. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever call it the Patrick Mahomes Memorial Television again. I'm, I, I'm raging. Honestly, Paul, I can't believe you've done that. You've stitched me on. You've ruined it. You've absolutely. You're going to have to give the telly away now, aren't you? Brilliant. Ah, what a dick. Right. Um. <laughs> so coming into this, then obviously Patrick Mahomes is the best-paid man in the world. 
Um, he's got all the money. He's got a baseball team, as we touched on at the top. He's a, an exceptional talent, thrilling to watch. Uh, the Chiefs are very exciting. It is all about pace. A lot of uh, hype on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now, Paul, we were lucky enough to see him in LSU as well. Uh, uh, he wasn't necessarily the main running back that day. He had an all right game in the game that we saw him against. Um, Nick Brissett was the guy there. But because, um, because now he's the number one running back. There's a load of hype. I mean, if, again, I'll touch on fantasy. People taking him like fourth fourth running back off the board. It's nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, but he is uh, an exciting young talent who really linked up well with Joe Burrows last year, was a massive part of LSU's success. So they've got a weapon in the backfield that is something that they definitely is a step up for them. Travis Kelsey, of course, got paid, very much deserved. A uh, lot, of, lot of money for him, but all of it, totally deserved um they've still got sammy watkins tyreek hill they've got Nicole hardman who was coming into a game demarcus robinson was showing what he had about him they've picked up a bunch of rookie wide receivers as well they're continuing to focus on pace on the other side of the ball chris jones has got his contract um they've still got frank clark there who was a big addition for them i thought he was really instrumental in their in their year uh, the honey badger as well is a huge player for them this team's stacked I guess the question is not about, for me, and again, you can challenge me, isn't about can they win this division? It's simply do they win the Super Bowl again or not? Well, the answer to that is obvious no, because the Saints exist, so we'll move past that. I'll give I'll give them the AFC, but I'm, I'm having none of that nonsense. Anyway, you, you see what you watch on your Patrick Mahomes Memorial Television, and we'll see where it goes from there. They are stacked. These are one of the teams I thought, you know, when because obviously I only had Sky Sports at the time and not the Game Pass, I thought Sky were very slow to the party to to see how good Kansas were becoming, because I, I enjoyed watching them a year or two before they started to be that sort of favourite pick. I thought they were milling around and, and just amassing talent. Now, part of me wants to see how good the Chiefs would be without Patrick Mahomes, to see just how good everything else is around them. But the other part of me thinks that would just be a waste. He is a generational talent, and you just—I I don't tire of watching him. I think he's amazing. And Matt Moore's no slouch as a backup. I think he's actually one of the better backups as well. Um, Henry, as a Broncos fan, how disheartening is it when you see your rivals and let's be honest, your biggest rivals? Um, pick up a talent like Mahomes and then secure him on a 10-year contract. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? I think, was it 2015? Feels a long time ago, Super Bowl champs. It's uh, it's hard. <laughs> I think you you look at the Chiefs now and they're, I mean, if they can keep it keep it together, obviously they may have salary cash cap issues going forward, but um, if they can, you know, manage it well, they've got a great coach, they've got some great players. Um, they look like they could be, you know, you know the next dynasty in, in the NFL, so it's um, it'll be tough for the for the Broncos and, and the other teams in the AFC West to, to challenge them. But the NFL is a funny place; things can change quick, and you know there's obviously a lot of injuries and and, and this and that. So it, uh, everyone looks at the Patriots as that sort of standard bearer of, of it's going to be pretty tough for a team to to get to that level. But the Chiefs at the moment are looking are looking good. It'll be fascinating to see how they go this season. I'm, I'm quite big on the Saints as well, actually. I think. Drew Brees going to probably, you know, his last year, he's not, he's not got many left anyway. He'll be, and they've been so close. They'll, they'll be a, a big team, I think, this year. And they'll hopefully make it to a Super Bowl. But um, 
the Chiefs, Mahomes is just so good. It just looks effortless. You could like, and the play calling just seems amazing. They he's throwing to. I mean, he doesn't need to throw to wide open guys, but he's throwing to wide open guys all the time. The plays they run are brilliant, and they're just putting points up. I mean, was it that Houston game last season in the playoffs when they were down? Was it three scores or something? And they just blew them apart in their second half. So. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty disheartening as, as a Broncos fan. We feel about you know a bit of a way away from them at the moment, but I'd be interested to see how they how they go. What's the weakness for Kansas? What's the area if you're coming up against them? Where do you exploit? I'm not totally sure the answer myself, so I'll leave it to you guys and I, see what you can come up with. I do have a pitch, but I'll I'll see what you guys think first. Historically, it's hard to repeat. I think that's one thing that you know. Hit, you know, history does tell us that uh, everybody lifts their game against you. Everybody's gunning for you. Everybody wants you. Even the teams that, you know, might be, you know, having a really bad season. If you can knock off the Super Bowl champs, that just brings you extra kudos. Looks great on your CV. So I, th- I think the, the weakness is history. And that's and that's clutching at straws. Any weakness, Henry, that you springs to mind? I'm not sure. Not on the surface. I think it's going to be up to these defensive coordinators. They're going to have to... I mean, they've obviously got a lot of film now on, on, on them from last season and Mahomes over the last couple of years, so they're going to have to come up with some some funky stuff to make it hard. I, I don't know if you're going to fully shut them down. You're going to have to play, you know, exceptional defence, obviously score some points and and, uh, and put a pretty good game out there to, to have a chance of beating them. It's... Yeah, I think for me, it's... It, it's if I'm looking at it on the field, it's cornerbacks. I think the cornerbacks is and the secondaries. Well, the second. No, let's not say the secondary because uh, the honey badger is an absolute monster. But a cornerback, I think that's the one area where they maybe have a bit of a weakness. You talk about obviously it's hard to repeat. The last team to do it was the Patriots in 2003 and 2004. They obviously won it in 2001, which was won in the Superdome. Uh, so they went into Louisiana and did that. Uh, then following year, it was the Bucks turns. And then, so there you go. The Buccaneers stopped Tom Brady from doing four in a row. But, um, you know, that was at a point where Brady took over the team uh, and they thrived under under what he was all about. And I do wonder whether this is the start of the next run of a team to do it. I, I think there's definitely a chance that they come through and they repeat. And I think that if they can keep their pieces together for a couple of years, they could they could really go on and do, do more. Um I think the only thing this year is that the Super Bowl's in uh, Raymond James Stadium. So if the Bucks make it, they're going to have home field advantage. If the Saints make it, they're going to know that stadium that little bit better. These are little things that I can think of that I'm really clutching at straws as well. Um, it's it's a tough one. They're, they are so stacked. They're, there's so much talent there. I guess in the playoffs, you know, any given Sunday and all that jazz, a team could beat them. Uh, the Titans, if the Titans can take a big step forward this year and continue on their growth, maybe they come back again this year and do what they needed to do, that they couldn't just get that final bit done last time around. But uh, it's definitely very interesting. So, yeah, we don't really need to touch much more on that. Right, it's time for predictions then. Um, and Henry, what we'll do here is we will we'll go through who we think is going to finish first, second, third and fourth in the division. As our guest, you will, you will get to go last. So me and Paul will have to put ourselves on the line before that. But... Then, just to pre-warn you, we are going to come to you for your far too early Super Bowl prediction. So once you've predicted the division, we'll look for your AFC winner, your NFC winner, and then who actually wins the Super Bowl. So, Paul, I'm going to let you kick this one off. Who do you see? Um, who do you see winning? How do you see this one panning out? Is a better question. 
Yeah, even I can see this one that Kansas City will win. And you made the fair point, even if Mahomes goes down, I think they've got the talented quarterback to make sure they're fine. I think it's going to be a transition series uh, season for the Chargers, uh, who will finish bottom. I think the Raiders have got a little something about them. I'm not sure why, but they'll edge them out. And Denver, because I believe that Drew Locke could be the answer, um, will be there. I'm not convinced any of these teams will particularly challenge Kansas closely, but I'm going Casey, Denver, uh, the Raiders, and then the Chargers. So um, I've got the same top two. I've got the Chargers number one. I've got the Broncos in number two. I think that they've got the most about them off the rest. I have the Chargers in at number three, and that's based on the fact that I think Herbert will be in by about week four. And I have the Raiders um, bottom and top three when it comes to picks come the draft. I think they are, yeah, I, I genuinely think they've got a couple of pieces on offense. They've not got enough to have any kind of a sustained uh, anything. Playing in a new stadium and new surroundings and all that jazz, I just, yeah, I just don't see it at all, unfortunately. Henry, how do you see things panning out? Well, Chiefs, Chiefs obvious winners. Um, I'm going to say the Broncos are number two, and that's wishful thinking. I do, I do think there's a lot of uncertainty in the team. There. There's a lot of good players, but a lot of young players. So I'm hoping they'll they'll have a really good year. I'm going to go with the Chargers third. I think I think Tyrod Taylor will start the season, and I think they'll be they'll be strong. They've got some good players in there. And I think they can. Um, stay in games and like you said they've got good coaching so I reckon they'll stay in games and, and, and as, as we, we said I think the Raiders will, will finish bottom sadly for them yeah okay so now it's time for your far too early Super Bowl prediction who is winning the AFC who's winning the NFC and then who wins the whole thing um, AFC I think it's tough to look past the Chiefs at the moment it's a safe. It's a safe bet. Sad to say, as a Broncos fan, NFC champs. I like the Saints. I think. I think the Saints. I think it's. I think it's their year to go to go deep, and I'm gonna go with the Saints in the Super Bowl to win it. So my telly gets destroyed, and Paul gets his team <laughs> winning the Super Bowl. Region, honestly, absolutely region. <laughs> I've always had I've always had the utmost respect for Denver fans. They know football. They know football. Yeah, I, do you know what? As we as we're starting to get through this, there's definitely a theme there, and there's a lot of people getting down to those two. And actually, it's going either way. It's hard to argue against the Saints. Definitely, uh, we talked about that um, last week, and you know, a, a very stacked talent with consistency. And we've talked about that. Consistency is so important. That's definitely a point that we didn't touch on with the Chiefs is they've got a lot of consistency. And actually, the only position where you're looking at it, where they've probably got a rookie coming in to start, is at running back, which is a position they don't really even need to use because they've got that many different weapons that they can just rotate um, and put them into different places. So the Chiefs have that benefit as well. Right, well, that's it then. That's the AFC West. Well, that's the full-time whistle then for episode 112. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Share your thoughts on this episode via Twitter, at ScotlandNFL, and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland. We continue to grow all the time and appreciate every retweet and share that you give us. We love hearing your thoughts on what we've been discussing. We're wrapping things up next week as we'll preview the NFC West in what could be one of the toughest to call of all the divisions. 
What great insight we had from Henry Pergos from the professional athlete point of view. Thanks again to Henry for joining us. Thank you for listening and taking the time to share your thoughts. We'll be back next week, but until then, bye for now. <laughs>